the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Exciting times, exciting times to be alive. Let me tell you, I got a lot to make sure you know what you need to know. You came to the right place. In a few moments, we will also visit with Dr. David Rose. Dr. Rose is a professor at the University of Missouri in St. Louis, and he has published a book that's called Why Culture Matters Most. He also did a recent event at Heritage Foundation, same title of the program. Pretty cool, pretty cool on virtual one. I've watched about half of it. I haven't told him that. I will admit that to him. I'll probably try to watch the rest of it over the weekend. Very interesting. Dr. Joe Lacanti joins him uh, in that too, so in that presentation. And then we'll also, but before we get to Dr. David Rose, I'm looking at my schedule, we'll talk with David Horowitz. He's fighting mad, as always. He's always fighting, but he's fighting mad, and his uh, his most recent column is called Fighting Words in FrontPageMag.com. We'll talk with David Horowitz, see what he says about where we are in this country. Before we get to that, let me walk you through a couple things, what you need to know, because you're probably confused by the coverage, confused by the um, media, uh, by the fake news and what they're doing. And you just may be confused. Let me clarify for you. Uh, 20 years ago, currently, at this moment, Al Gore and George W. Bush were both saying they were going to win. And one was ahead and the other was ahead and one was ahead. They were waiting litigation, this and that, the other thing. And uh, nobody really knew. And so when you hear the media covering with just bated breath, I can't believe it. Uh, Martha Raddatz said, This is the most amazing group of people Joe Biden is going to nominate. (gasps) They're so non-political. These are like professionals. John Kerry. How is that guy not political? Could that guy be more political? But John Kerry and and, and, uh, Tony Blinken. (sighs) Oh, it's just amazing to see. Anyway, here's my point. Don't get fooled. This process has a long way to go. And uh, in the next few hours, actually, from the time you're listening to this, you are going to see lawsuits, at least one, maybe two filed in Georgia. Uh, and you're going to see uh, Sidney Powell, who has been belittled uh, and degraded and uh, attacked by the media. She's going to go ahead and uh, get some of what she's been seeing out into some filings. And here's the thing. You know what? There's a lot of there, there. There's a lot of there, there, and you're going to see it. And there's a reason why President Trump is doing things like saying to the GSA, the Government Services Agency, go ahead and work with the uh, Biden people. If they're going to if they're going to clamor and I explained this on a Periscope, by the way, if you if you tune into Periscope at Eagle Ed Martin, my Periscopes twice a day, I do a, a Periscope at um, 945 Eastern Time and also two o'clock Eastern Time. What I mentioned earlier, President Trump was very kind today. And what he did was he said to the GSA head named Emily Murphy, she happens to be someone I know. She's from St. Louis originally. She went to University of Virginia Law School. She went to a very wonderful girls, all girls high school in St. Louis where my mentor, Phyllis Schlafly went to school. Then it was called City School, folded into it's called Villa Duchenne. Anyway, she's a very impressive professional woman. 
Emily Murphy. And she has been given the full Alinsky treatment by the New York Times, CNN. They took the worst picture you could find of her. They put it all over the news and they said, Emily Murphy who used to be considered a professional, is going to never have a career if she doesn't give up and, and let Biden's campaign transition. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. We're doing what we're And so she, President Trump watched that. The Alinsky model is personalize, isolate, destroy. And they were doing that to this young woman. And the President Trump said, <laughs> gave her a directive, said, go ahead and start the process to talk to them. If we need it, then they have it. If we don't need it, well, there's no harm. And he got the, got, got the media off her back. Good for him. Here's what you need to know also. Why are they protesting so much? Why are they so hysterical that, I mean, I'm talking about Biden and the media, that we must all concede? A few hours ago, Arizona adjusted their unofficial results. Suddenly, Joe Biden is only winning by 4,200 votes in Arizona. A few hours ago, it was 10,000 votes. 6,000 votes different changed. You know what? You know why? Something's going on. So why are they clamoring for concession? Why are they clamoring for, uh, uh, you know, everybody to say it's over? The reason why is something's going on. Something's happened here. And we'll talk with uh, David Horowitz in a few minutes about it. Something went on. At the very least, we now see evidence of lots of election fraud. At the very least, we see evidence of mathematical improbabilities of how things happen, at the very least. And when you're talking about, and we'll talk with um, uh, Dr. David Rose about this, his book, Why Culture Matters, he talks about how, you know, in the old days, an election meant a lot for who was in charge, but not like now. When the person in power has so much power over life, money-wise in terms of spending, control-wise in terms of regulation, law enforcement-wise, etc. Why are we getting the full-on treatment from the Biden campaign to give up, give up, give up? If they didn't cheat... What's the problem? I put out a press release earlier today. Thousands of Michigan ballots were shown falsified. Falsified. They showed it. I'm not making it up. I'm not asking. I'm not saying what, what could happen. They showed that they were falsified. So the fact is, the fact is that the... Um, the, uh, the, 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 there is something to get to the bottom of, and nobody is interested. Nobody is interested on the de- left side, and you have to ask yourself why. In fact, they're less than not interested. They're hysterical to make you stop. Uh, so my point is, just hang on, everybody. Hang on for the ride. Here comes Sidney Powell. Here comes more stuff. The president is confident. I t- talk to people in the White House. They're very confident. They know what time it is. They know what the date is. They know what's happening. And here's one last thing you need to know. I'm going to tell you this. This is really a fun one. You may say, I wish that this would come out on Monday so the media would cover it. Monday, all they covered Monday this week was Rudy Giuliani as the lawyer for the campaign and the personal lawyer and Sidney Powell as as the lawyer for We the People. And both of them say they got the goods on fraud. And they wanted to cover the media, this dysfunction. But by covering the fact that they both were on there, the American people are like, wow, there's some pretty hotshot people on this case. And now on Wednesday, right before Thanksgiving, you know what's going to happen? There's going to be... Real filed evidence of fraud and all weekend long you're going to be talking about it. 
because Donald Trump is going to tweet about it. And people are going to be saying, what happened? What was that? And all weekend long, and the media's going to try to ignore it. But the media doesn't like to work on Thanksgiving weekend. They want to go and, and, and hang out. And so you watch what happens. It's actually coming just in the right direction to at least get to the bottom of it. Again, I don't know how or if the cheat. I do know there was cheating. I do know there was election fraud. I don't know if it was enough to change the election. We'll find out. But my goodness, we should definitely get to the bottom of it, right? There's no harm. If you didn't do anything, there's no harm. If the only thing that happened was incidental fraud, okay. I talked to someone today. He doesn't think you're going to find, he doesn't think you're going to find enough fraud. A friend of mine. He hopes we, there is, but he doesn't think you're going to. But he did say, more power to shining a light on that and getting state legislators to realize you cannot continue to allow this massive mail-in ballot and all this crazy stuff. So, you know, why not? At the very least, let's get to the bottom of it and see if we can make our elections more serious, more, uh, more uh, safer, more transparent. There's no downside to that as far as I can see. And yet, go ahead and say it. I do it on Twitter. I say it on Twitter. You know, over I'm on Periscope, uh, at, at, uh, excuse me, um, on Twitter, it's uh, at Eagle Ed Martin. And same thing on Twitter. You go over there and you see. I will say a, a video, a short video, on the, and people will attack. The, the trolls come in. They want to go crazy. You got to stop. You got to stop. What's wrong with you? You got to stop. Kind of say, man, thou doth protest too much. By the way, did you see the news also a few hours ago? Turns out in Georgia... Somebody, A1 Shredding and Recycling, in Cobb County, they were doing a bunch of shredding. A bunch of shredding. They, they were just shredding, and they don't really know why they're put in the middle of it. They were told to do what they were supposed to do and do some shredding. we get to the bottom of all this stuff. It's going to be interesting. So what you need to know is hang on. More coming. Wild times happening. It's great to be alive. And keep pushing, pushing, pushing. Rule of law. The Constitution, our great Judeo-Christian values. That's what will get us through all this. It has every other time. It will this time. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk with the great David Horowitz over at Front Page Magazine. Com. His new book is coming out in a few months. His, uh, I'll, I'll, let me plug his current book. It's called Blitz. Trump will smash the left and win. And after that, we'll talk with Dr. David Rose of the University of Missouri, St. Louis, about his book, Why Culture Matters, and a recent virtual, virtual presentation. We'll take a break. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. <laughs> Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. My old friend David Horowitz, of course, he is well known as the founder of the uh, David Horowitz Freedom Center. And he is uh, also the operator of uh, FrontPageMag.com, best-selling author of Blitz, Trump Will Smash the Left and Win. And uh, But here's he wrote a piece a few days ago, I guess yesterday, uh, technically. I'm sorry. I thought it was a couple days ago. And the title is Fighting Words, It's a War. And uh, welcome, David Horowitz. How are you? Good to be with you. Yes. So, so first question, first threat, threat, threshold question: Did the Democrats steal the election? Yes, they steal elections every year. I mean, people just—you know—John F. Kennedy was president because Sam Giancana, as a favor to his father Joe, um, you know, voted the cemeteries in Cook County. I mean, it's in every book on that election. And Nixon at the time right. thought it would be bad for the country. This is very important. He thought it would be bad for the country 
if he challenged the vote. Um, so he let Kennedy win. But John F. Kennedy was a different kind of Democrat. These Democrats are communists. They hate our country. They want to destroy it. Um, how do I, why do I say that? Look, they've conducted a war against elections for years. No voter IDs. That's voter suppression. Any measure to secure the integrity of the election is voter suppression, which is a big lie and an obvious one. Uh, you know, a photo ID you need to get food stamps. It also shows a lot of contempt for poor black people, like they're too stupid to get uh, voter IDs when it's really simple. And also, you have to have it for welfare. Um, but they, you know, they started in July to destroy the the election day. We don't have an election day anymore. You have early voting. You can vote after election day. They can vote after election day. So you don't have a day when people vote and the votes are counted anymore. And that's to make stealing easier. Then they sent out 92 million um, paper ballots, which are uh, Democrats themselves or some honest ones the year before were saying these are dangerous. They're too easy to fix, which they've done. So, yeah, I think the election is fixed. But, uh, it's so obvious that Trump won. He got 10 million more votes, despite the most disgusting character assassination in the human history. Nobody has ever been so attacked and so maliciously distorted as Donald Trump. Uh, we're talking with da- yeah, we're talking with David Horowitz, and uh, David Horowitz, of course, is over at FrontPageMag.com, and his books are there are many books, but uh, the most recent one is uh, Blitz: Trump will smash the left and win. Um, now, next question, David. David, do you well, think you know, President forty eight percent more votes this year than in two thousand twelve? in Phoenix, right. and the population of right. Phoenix has only increased 14%. So that's, what right. is that, three times? You know, it's mm-hmm. just, the evidence is all over the place. I sure hope that the Trump team has done a good job of assembling it. Well, and that's what I want to ask you, this next question. Uh, Even in the face, we've seen this president be put in a position where the pressure is on, the pressure is on, the pressure is on. Do you think this, what what should the president do now? What what should he do? How should he approach it? You know, where where do you think he's, like today, where do you think he needs to be stronger, more, more, you know, louder? What, give me some of your insights here. I I mean, you know, he's got a lot of issues that he has. He's got the Georgia election he's got to watch out for. Um, and and he's got such a malicious press, an evil press. Um, I think he's doing a great job. I would like to see them, you know, there are a couple of things like the Dominion machines. Uh, I'd like to know for a fact, I can't believe the fact isn't out there, that there are Venezuelan company. But more importantly, I'd like to know that the machines have the capability of changing votes, which... It seems that they do, but I, 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 I'd like a little more information from them. And of right. course, I wonder. I wonder. Republican weak reads. All these people, yeah. they think they think we're back in 1960. You know, John F. Kennedy was a military communist. He he was uh, for a balanced budget. He was for a capital gains tax cut. Um, uh, 
he would be considered an extreme right-wing Republican if he were alive today. So you had two parties. We used to complain, and you know, people used to complain that it was the parties were too much alike. But it was really good. It meant for stability. Now you have a Democrat party, which is a racist party, which is behind all these the, the worst civil insurrections in American history, the most destructive, scores of dead people, mainly black, actually, because of the lawlessness, uh, trying to destroy our police departments. This is a very radical party. I don't care what Biden says, because he's a cover for it. And in his foreign policy, what's he doing? The first thing he wants to do is to refund the Hamas terrorists hundreds of millions of dollars, restore the Palestinians' terrorist consulate in Washington, um, re-embrace the Iranian terrorists, uh, and, uh, you know, sell a country back to China the way he did when he was vice president. Uh, We're talking with David. in office. Well, you know, this is not, we don't live in a country anymore where we can trust the Democrat Party to be an American party. We're talking with David Horowitz, and uh, and again, David's uh, piece, he's, he's got lots of books. In fact, I just noticed, David, you got a book coming up in a few months uh, by Regnery, the title of which is perfect for the moment, I think, and that, and that is uh, um, the uh, the um, how enemy the enemy within, how a totalitarian movement is destroying America. It'll be out in a few months. But, and you know, this piece on front... Movement is really important, that totalitarian movement that's destroying America is the Democrat Party. And if you go up to Amazon, the book's already up there. You can see the cover, and on the cover is Elizabeth Warren, Pelosi, all of them. Uh, right. And Omar Schiller. They're all about doing it. Why do I say that? Well, they, they conducted a war against election integrity. They want to abolish the Electoral College, which is in the Constitution for a good reason. They want to destroy the system of checks and balances. They want to pack the Supreme Court. Uh, they already said they don't. They, they want to get rid of the Senate. Um, you know, they're radicals. They're revolutionaries. They're dangerous. And they supported this in, these insurrections. All the Democrat mayors made the, those burnings of our cities, the damage that was done, the lawlessness possible. The Democratic Party is a, an outlaw party, in my view, now. And I don't um, see how we're, you we're t- contradict that. Even I don't want borders. No nation can the, um, without borders. We're talking with David Horowitz. David, I want to ask you about um, I want to ask you about your piece in uh, FrontPage.com, Fighting Words. And I want to ask you this part: Why is it so many Americans, and especially Republican office holders, don't recognize that we're in a war? I think it's up. You know, I was brought up by communists. That's how I understand the malice of the left. Um, so. Conservatives are always a little puzzled to me, but I think it's, you know, they're well-bred. They all, you know, know the Constitution, uh, and uh, they they don't want to embarrass their enemies. It's impolite. Mm -hmm. It's partly just manners. Um, Right. People like me, they regard as too confrontational. Uh, Mm When I came into the right, and this is really the good news, about 40 years ago, I look around and I said, where's the ground war? The left has all these organizations. 
They're intimidating people. They're extorting. You know, corporate America is supporting these communists. They, they put right. hundreds of millions of dollars into the Black Lives Matter uh, criminals. Uh, why is that? Because the left makes their lives miserable if they don't. They're extortionists. Whereas no Republican would demonstrate against uh, a company or, you know, organize a boycott. And nor would they march. They would have demonstrations until the Tea Party came along. But now mm-hmm. Trump has changed all that. We now have a mass movement of conservatives. And that means the conservatives will be looking at what's going on in their schools the K-12 schools, uh, which are indoctrination centers now for this vicious left. We need people to fight at every level, uh, and we need them to to talk the talk as well as walk the walk. The Democrat Party is a racist party. It controls every inner city of any size in America. All the killing fields, all the rotten school systems, all the injustices real and imagined that are done to inner city minorities are done by Democrats for crying out tears. In Minneapolis, mm-hmm. where George Floyd died, the city council is 100% Democrat and Green Party. The mayor is a Democrat. The governor is a Democrat. The attorney general is a black Democrat. The police chief is a black Democrat. The guy with his knee on the neck of George Floyd, he's a Democrat. So mm-hmm. it's right. crazy. Yeah. But, but Republicans All right. never mention this. The only Republican who I've ever heard call a Democrat a racist which they are identity politics. We have to have a woman, you know, who's actually a rich Indian, but will, uh, you know, uh, pr- pretend to be black uh, as our vice president because we're racist. Uh, the only right. Republican who's ever called a Democrat, to my knowledge, a racist is Trump. That's why they hate him. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right, David Horowitz. Unfortunately, I got to go. Time flies. The column up is called Fighting Words. It's a war. David Horowitz, which is at frontpagemag.com. I'll put it up on social media. Thanks, David, as always, and I appreciate Thank your you, uh, inspiration. Uh, All right. We'll talk again soon, I'm sure. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Pro America Report on The Answer, San Diego. <laughs> Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. You and all know, my listeners know, how much I enjoy reading books and especially talking to authors and uh, and writers and different things. Well, I got an email from uh, Dr. David Rose, who's a professor of economics over at UMSL, University of Missouri-St. Louis. He's also himself an author and writes. And he, he sent me a virtual event. And the title struck me. And I've watched about, I mentioned to him, I've watched about, I guess, 20 minutes out of 50 or so. So it was at 40%. But I haven't watched the whole thing. But I thought I'd grab him and get him on because it's such an interesting topic. He's an interesting guy. And the title was called Why Culture Matters Most in a time where it seems like they cover politics, they cover uh, all kinds of things. You say, well, what matters most? And it's culture is the point of this uh, presentation. Joe LaConte, who is uh, uh, over at the uh, Simon Center for American Studies at Heritage Foundation, is also on this panel. So first of all, welcome, Dr. Rose. How are you today? I am well, thank you. 
Well, and so when someone says culture matters most, before we get into this presentation, why culture matters most, um, I was recently reading a book by Jane Jacobs, who is famous for her, uh, you know, denunciation of of, uh, of modern modern the decline of cities. But she also wrote a book about 15 years ago called Dark Ages Ahead, and it caught my eye. And I've been reading this, and she basically is describing the deterioration of, in my sense, American culture. She's not a conservative in the same way I am. But she's talking about culture declining. So my first question, Dr. Rose, is, is American culture declining? When you say culture matters most, is it culture that's failing or deteriorating right now? I think think that's the case. I think that there's a set of prevailing beliefs that were pretty consistent, pretty strongly inculcated into young children uh, going back before the founding. And that same set of beliefs... Uh, persisted in, in pretty much the same form through uh, the beginning of the 20th century. But it has started to unravel since, uh, because mostly because of systematic efforts uh, by the progressive movement to shift the moral conversation in a direction that was more amenable to the kind of heavy-handed uh, redistributive policies that they needed in order to do what they wanted to do, which was to create their own kind of utopia through government action. Hmm. Is uh, so. All right, now let's go to this event. So, how, how, first of all, you you as a professor at uh, UMSL, University of Missouri St. Louis, and speaking all over the country, how do these virtual events work? How, how do you find that they come uh, come off? Do you did you enjoy them? Is it work? I know um, they're kind of you're kind of speaking into the into the ether, and you're not getting reaction from folks. But so, first of all, what's your in this world of COVID? What's your uh, reaction to these kinds of events? Well, I got to be careful. I uh, I could tell you the <laughs> truth, and then never get invited to do another one. But uh, <laughs> uh-huh. but look, uh-huh. it, it's about what you would expect. Uh, everybody does work extremely hard to make it as easy as possible, and the people at Heritage were fantastic on that. They they just bent over backwards and worked with me to get everything set up and so on. So that that was fine. But there is absolutely no question, and, and of course, I, I also notice this in my in my classroom. Uh, humans, uh, we've, we've all known that we, we communicate with each other in ways that go beyond words, but this virus has shown us just how true that is. And you just, you just lose a lot when you cannot look at people, see their reactions, see if they're getting bored, see if they're uh, a little overwhelmed, that, that tells you to speed up, slow down, more examples, fewer examples, whatever. It, it, it's something that we we process it we process that information so unconsciously that we don't fully appreciate how important it is. So I, I feel like I'm flying blind when I'm just talking into a camera. It's, let's just say if you ever if you ever saw me give a, a lecture to a large audience in the, in the public, it'd be it'd be very different than what you saw uh, in that video. Hmm. All right. Now let's get to the main event. So this, um, the question is why culture matters most. And is there much of a contrast between you and uh, your colleague, Dr. Joe Lacante? I mean, what's the where, where you, you know, he comes out of a tradition. Um, I think he worked in one of the Bush, maybe the Bush administration in uh, some capacity. Um, you know, where's the let me say it differently. Where's the argument over culture? You know, who's saying we're going great. Don't worry about it. Who's saying, you know, we've got to change what we're doing. 
here's where I think I change the conversation a little bit. I mean, everyone, it's a very common thing for people to complain about the degradation of culture. And, right. and I don't disagree with that. But then, okay, now what? what? What do you mean by that? If you don't, if you aren't clear about how culture has degraded, there's no idea. We don't have any idea about what to do to, to rectify the situation. Uh, in my book, I lay out exactly why a thriving free market democracy, which is the greatest invention of Western civilization, it's what gives us the good life. A thriving free market democracy is a fantasy. It's a fantasy if you don't have a high trust society. And a high trust society, I show, is impossible without a proper cultural substrate. You have to make this investment every single generation because these ideas, although we have genetic capacity for culture, the ideas themselves are not genetically encoded. They have to be taught and learned every single generation. And those ideas are a specific kind and in, in sufficient strength. They are what allows us to produce people who are fastidiously trustworthy and therefore other people rationally trust them. And if you have enough of them in a the society, you have a kind of prevailing social convention of extending trust. And if you, all you have to do is go to a low-trust country, and you'll see that we're a fairly high-trust country, and or go to a place like Sweden, and you'll see that there are even countries that are higher trust. There's just no question about it. It is a different kind of thing, and you conduct yourself differently, and you cooperate way more effectively in that kind of environment. So I work out what the details are of those beliefs and how it works. And the concept that you may have gotten to in the video, to join within 20 minutes, I don't know, is that of duty-based moral restraint, which I believe is is a particularly important idea uh, that we got uh, from the Western civilization and through the Enlightenment. It's a, it's a big deal, and it really shapes the way we think. We're talking with Dr. David Rose, professor of economics at the University of Missouri, St. Louis, uh, himself an author. And uh, Dr. Rose, so it, you you see um, statistics, mostly polling, I suppose, where people say they have less and less trust in institutions, right? They have less trust in, say, religious leaders. They have less trust in the rule of law or the justice system, uh, you, the universities. There's these, these kind of, uh, we're in a period, I think, where it's kind of fa- fashionable, but fashionable to be um, distrustful, or at least say you are. And yet, um, we do the sort of Judeo-Christian ethos that informed our founding, which said you're going to have an ethic, uh, ethical obligation to uh, re- interact with each other honorably. That's still holding, right? I mean, in other words, is the distrust uh, discussion overplayed? I believe that in order to answer that question adequately, we have to draw a distinction between two types of trust. There's what I call bilateral trust. That's just one person trusting another person. General, generalized bilateral trust is that people are willing to trust other individuals, even if they don't know them yet. That's a really important thing, and it varies greatly in societies. But there's another type of trust that works at an entirely different level. That's what I call trust in the system, which, believe it or not, it's a phrase that rolls right off the tongue, but there's almost nothing on it in the literature. And trust in the system is trusting that those who administer the rules of the game can be counted on to not arbitrarily manipulate them for their own ends or just arbitrarily. So you, you can count on, for example, 
that the tax rate on your profits won't go from 20% to 60%, you know, in, in just one year. You can count on mm-hmm. some stability in these kinds of things. You can also count on the police behaving in a way that, you know, you've been taught police are supposed to behave and so on. That kind of trust, the trust in the system, that has fallen dramatically. And it's fallen dramatically, mm-hmm. mostly because of political capture of many of these institutions. Hmm. The uh, that 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 that's interesting uh, way to to uh, just to uh, separate those two. I think it's uh, it 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 feels like people uh, want to say they distrust things and yet they continue to do it. Okay, um, now uh, let me one final question um, in the in the context of the election. A lot of data says people are not trusting the election. Uh, 79% of Republicans think there was something dramatically wrong with the election. Uh, 30% of Democrats say there was something wrong with this election. Does that number, is that just a a sort of uh, post-event number and that it settles back down? Or are we, again, moving into an area where people are distrusting more significantly and it's impacting the sort of culture we're living in? In my book, I work out why it is that if you have heavy government involvement in society, it will tend to induce uh, the emergence of kind of political tribalism because the stakes of who wins elections will get ever higher. Uh, You go back Hmm. to, say, 1890, it just didn't make that much difference who was elected because not that much money was moved around by the federal government. But that has right. <laughs> nothing could be further from the truth now. So the stakes are huge. And because the stakes are huge, people play a lot rougher in the political realm than before. And that is stoking a kind of political tribalism that's a result of, in the past, we would have debates about whether to put up a stop sign or a stoplight. And either way, it's a public good. Either way, it's a legitimate thing for government to do. But the difference of opinion was how to do a public good. But now, so much of the revenues that get moved around in society by government are not public goods. They're private goods. They're they're money that's taken from one person and given to another. So there's a winner and there's a loser. And the loser is going to be pretty sore about it. So I think Mm. in the book I do talk about how this cycle of political tribalism will court disaster in the electoral system. You will have ever uh, increasing suspicion of the system, and that's kind of the beginning of the end. And that's basically what's happened in most democracies through history. We're, we have been visiting with Dr. David Rose. The book he's referring to is also called Why Cultures Matter Most, published by Oxford University Press, available wherever books are. I was just checking to make sure on Amazon it's there and all over the place. So, again, uh, the book is called Why Culture Matters Most, published a couple, year and a half ago at Oxford University Press. Dr. Rose, thank you, as always. Very interesting topic. Great presentation. Th- I mean, uh, interesting virtual event to send around. It's a great way to have the conversation that you're talking about in your book and in, your, uh, in other writings. Uh, uh, available. So I will, I promise I'll watch the rest of it and I will uh, make sure we talk more. So thank you, Dr. Rose. Uh, my pleasure. All right. We'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Pro America Report on The Answer San Diego. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we're upholding the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly, grassroots activist, author of 27 books, and articulate voice for traditional values for more than 70 years. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Statistically speaking, today is the biggest travel day of the entire year in America. 
Everyone has someplace to go on the day before Thanksgiving, it seems. For most people, that place will be a place with family. Whether you're driving to grandma's house with the kids, flying back to your parents' home from college, or visiting an aging relative in a retirement home, I hope you'll join me in reflecting on the importance of family. I'm not talking about your specific family. I mean the traditional nuclear family structure characterized by a father and a mother working together to raise their children. We should all be thankful for the family. God knew exactly what he was doing when he designed every child to need a mother and a father to come into existence. Children with a loving mother and father in the same home are more likely to do well in school, to stay out of trouble with the law, and to grow into responsible citizens. Though studies have tried to show otherwise, the true depth to which parents influence their children is beyond measure. Communist nations see this influence as a threat, by the way, which is why they try to destroy the family time and again. Under Chairman Mao's rule in China, the communists tried to replace the nuclear family with large communes. These communes forced all children into government care centers and replaced family meals with communal kitchens where food was rationed. Rather than increasing food production in agricultural communities, these communes resulted in the biggest famine in world history. Though the communists have worked hard to hide the death toll, anywhere from 30 to 55 million people died. To put this into perspective, one million died from the famous Irish potato famine. When you look back at history, it's easy to see that strong societies need to have strong families. Only the traditional nuclear family can provide the stability and virtue that children so desperately need. Policies favoring the family in taxes, regulations, employment, and of course family law are policy objectives worth defending. As you sit down at the Thanksgiving dinner table tomorrow, be thankful you live in a nation where the institution of the family is still protected. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. The traditional family is the building block of our communities and country. That's why it's imperative to support strong marriages, respect fathers, and champion stay-at-home moms. At phyllisschlafly.com, we oppose the liberal attempt to redefine the family. To join us, visit phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Let's go to the window. What you need to do. What you need to do. Very simple. Very simple. Keep talking about the reality of fraud. I went to lunch with a friend of mine. He said, there's not enough fraud, Ed, to change the election. I said, hey, I don't know for sure, but let me tell you the fraud they found. Falsified uh, ballots. Ballots that were came in after the deadline and weren't segregated so they don't know where they went. We had people registered, dead people voting. I said, here's a laundry list. Here's my advice. What you need to do is get a laundry list. I'm talking to each of you. Get a laundry list and tell people your laundry list. It helps people to hear how much fraud there is. Even if the fraud is not sufficient at the moment when they say, well, that's not enough votes. There's only a thousand dead people voting in Detroit. It sounds like, it sounds like I'm almost doing Sean Connery there. But anyway, uh, it, it, if you if you say, well, you know, a thousand people uh, voted, dead people voted in Detroit. And they say, oh, that doesn't, doesn't matter. It won't change the election. Say, I know, but don't you think we should get to the bottom of it? You know, 98 million, 92 million, 90 million mail-in ballots went out. And, you know, in places where in the past the number of ballots rejected, mail-in ballots rejected was like 0.3% or 0.4%. Now there's 0% rejected. 
Isn't there something wrong here? And say, we just got to get to the bottom of it. Don't you want to get to the bottom of it? Isn't it good to get to the bottom of any voter fraud? That's the goal. That's the goal. So what you can do right now, the window, what you need to do is go ahead, make your laundry list of fraud, election fraud, misconduct, inappropriate you know, breaking of rules, ignoring the laws. You know, in Philadelphia, they pushed out the Republican poll watchers, said, no, no, we don't we don't want you in here. What? Supposed to be bipartisan. Pushed them out. And go ahead and make that laundry list and tell your friends and say, oh, here's one. Here's one. Here's one. All these different lists of things that happen. So people start to continue. They continue to realize what we've heard. And you know what we've heard? We've heard 79% of Republicans think the election was fraudulent. And 30% of Democrats think that way. And every day that more people think that and then see what happened it's going to make a huge difference in getting the right thing done. All right, we got to go. Thank you, as always, to know our great technical director, Joanna, for booking our guests. We will be back tomorrow. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then.